You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 57 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Before we start, let me remind you all to follow this podcast on Twitter. The account is Born Alchemist. You can also find the podcast on Facebook. Just search for the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. And if you feel like a generous soul, please leave a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher. Now today I am joined by Carolina, who is one of the founders and facilitators of the Ayahuasca Retreat Tree of Light. One thing that is special with this particular Ayahuasca Retreat is that they do women-only ceremonies. But before we start talking to Carolina, let's hear her poetry in the track The Path of Transformation from the album Yakon Shama by Yuen Husami, an artist that was featured way back in episode 3. As the night falls upon us, we gather as a tribe. In silence we sit as we drink our sacred vine. Icaros are sung as the healers begin their work, blessing us one by one as the doors begin to unlock. I sit in reflection of how much she's taught me and the courage it takes to face this path we walk. The pain and suffering we hold does not have to be carried alone. Our great mother is listening, holding us while the path to freedom is being shown. Step by step the layers release as we gather the strength to face our deepest fears. This is a journey that takes patience. Trust the answers will come when the lessons feel unclear. I am grateful for the challenges. She's pushed me and tested me in so many ways. The path of transformation isn't always easy, but all of it has been worth it to know the peace my spirit feels today. Through the darkness comes the light as she teaches us to trust and be guided by our hearts. Her love is unconditional. Talk to her. Pray with her. Know she will always be there. Iraka la medicina. You are my teacher and my guide. I feel honored to walk my path on this earth, knowing your wisdom and love will always be at my side. So thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So uh, tell the listeners a bit about who you are. Mm -hmm. um, my name is Carolina and I come from the United States. I grew up in California and um, I, we're, I'm going to sharing today about, about my journey with ayahuasca and, and the work I do with ayahuasca and 
um, my first experience with the medicine was in 2010 and um, it, it was very clear for me from the from the very start of, of this work with my first ceremony that I had found uh, the teacher that I had been looking for to really move through some of the stuff that, that I had been carrying in my life. And um, in 2011, I made my first trip to Peru, and it was a very strong message for me in those first those first ceremonies that I did there that it was it was time for a really big life change. And um, I pretty much came back and packed up my life and, and went to the jungle, and not really knowing where that was going to go, but it. Um, progressed into working in a, a large ayahuasca center and facilitating uh, many, many people through their journeys with the medicine. And um, now I live in full-time full time in Peru with my, with my husband and my daughter, and um, now I'm facilitating and the co-creator of uh, Tree of Light retreats, which are ayahuasca retreats. How did you encounter ayahuasca in the beginning did you stumble on it by accident um i i knew about ayahuasca for a couple years and i wasn't um i didn't know how to go about you know there's there are circles that happen in different parts of the world where it's it's not legal to to share this medicine um and Making my way to Peru at that time, I was running a, a really busy business in um, in Los Angeles, so it didn't seem like I had the space in my life um, when I first heard about it. And um, finally, I was I was invited to a circle um, that was happening, and with a friend of mine, and that that was my first experience, which um, was in the U.S. It's a bit different. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's that long ago, 2010, but actually five years ago, it was much more difficult, I th for at least from my experience, to, to, to find a place to do ayahuasca compared to today, which now it's extremely easy. It's, it, a lot of things have changed in just five years, I think. It Definitely, a lot of things have changed, you know, and the medicine is, is being shared and in many different ways, you know, it's it's really made its way out of the jungle and being shared in, in different styles and different traditions. And um, for me, when I first had the first ceremony that I worked with, I, I felt very clear in my heart that I needed to go and work with the Shipibo healers, with the, the wisdom keepers of this medicine in, in the most traditional way that I that I could. Um, so that's that's been the the path that I've walked with this medicine is working in the Shipibo tradition. And um, what I've found, I've, I've experienced different ways of, of working with the medicine, with, you know, where there are ceremonies with instruments and music. And um, for me, the deepest work that, that I've experienced on the, on the healing level has been, has been definitely in the jungle, you know, the, with the Shipibo healers from the jungle. When you facilitate, I mean, you have to be pretty experienced because you don't want to have a an ex, a, a difficult ceremony while you're trying to facilitate other people because the facilitators, they often drink as well. But, I mean, I've always wondered this. Now I can ask you is that, has it ever happened that the facilitator, you know, even though they've been done it many many times they still have like a very difficult experience and they can't facilitate for some reason um, I've never experienced that um, 
of course, we still go through our own process of, you know, through the time of facilitating them because it is such a deep, profound healing for people going through, you know, rapid layers changing so quickly. So there is a lot of energy to hold. Um, but when I, when I drink, when I facilitate, I, first I drink less than I normally would, of course. Um, and I always say my prayer to the medicine of, you know, let me be in service to, to these people to, to help in, in the ways that I can help to offer the support energetically or, you know, if it requires that we are communicating that, you know, the, the words that are coming through me are coming from the medicine. And for me, it's always, um, you know, when I was living in the jungle, it was, I started to be like the maestra as I would drink the smallest amount and I would really feel it because I was drinking so often. Um, so, but, but no, I, I, it's, it's always been kind of, you know, I, I'm not, it's not about yourself so much when you're facilitating space for other people. And it's really about being aware of what's going on in the space. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been a really beautiful journey for me. Um, I know it doesn't sound, you know, it's only been what, five years since I've been working with this medicine, which is, is pretty short amount of time compared to some people. But, um, but I really like, as soon as I started drinking, I just, <laughs> I went for it. I went to the jungle and just fully, um, fully dove into it, you know, so it wasn't, it, you know, like drinking a few times here and there over five years, it was like really, really intense, intensive work. Um, and so you just, yeah, you really start to learn, you know, when I first started to facilitate, there was definitely some challenges that would come up for me about dealing with the energies, but um, it's something that through dietas and, and your experience, you just, you know, you really learn how to, to, to work with that. And the uh, Tree of Light retreat that you're facilitating or running now, uh, is that located in the, in the jungle or is that somewhere else in Peru? So yeah, we don't we don't have um, an actual center. We're we're renting other, hiring out other centers that are already established for our groups to come to. So this way, we're doing some of them in the in the Sacred Valley of Peru, which is um, is near Cusco um, on the way to Machu Picchu. It's really really beautiful there. The energies are so so beautiful with the the big mountain the apus that surround that valley and protect that that space and then um, some of them we're also working within the jungle and centers in Pucallpa um, so it's giving us the freedom to hold retreats in both places um, and we've started the work Naomi is my partner and we felt we feel really strongly the the plants brought us together to do this we're both we're both mothers we both have have children and um, this kind of, you know, really it's in our hearts both really to share this medicine and this really enabled us to see a way that we can still do it and be mothers at the same time. So uh, we started this work with, we've, we've been doing women's only retreats and working with Shipibo grandmothers. And um, we just recently spent a big chunk of time in the jungle. We were there for six weeks, uh, first for a women's retreat and then on, staying on to do a dieta and um, my partner um, Pete or Pedro that most people call him that, that you've also done an interview with uh, he it came through really strong for us that this we need to open up the space not just for for women so our focus is on the women's retreats and there'll be about 
eight of those a year, um, or about six of those a year. Um, but we're also going to be having some, some other, uh, retreats with both men and women that my partner and I will lead or Naomi and her partner will lead. Yeah, and the women-only retreats are uh, unusual. I mean, I, the first time I heard about it was when I heard of, that you were doing it. But what's the what's the need for having women-only retreats? What was what made you want to do that? Um. So there's, you know, we always say this, and it's it's something that's hard to describe in words. But there's there's something really powerful that that happens that we know happens is women when women come together to do deep healing work um same thing for men i'm sure you know i just can't speak about it because i i'm not a man so um for for us as women as mothers as going through these transitions in our life through through our path as women um have really seen how important this space is for for women to come together in a place where they can really let go and really um, allow themselves to, you know, I always tell people the more vulnerable you can be, the more, the deeper the healing can be with the medicine. And this is why it's important to be drinking with, with healers you can trust and with people who are facilitating that are there to support you so that you feel really safe. And um, it's come up a lot. You know, we have a lot of women who are coming that some of them have worked with the medicine in the past and worked with, you know, male healers that aren't being in integrity. And there is unfortunately a lot of this in the ayahuasca world that the male shamans are, are taking advantage of their power and that there's been abuse with women in ceremonies. And we've had a few of those women reaching out to us really wanting to heal that wound Um, so it just kind of that elim- that's eliminated with us, you know. We're working with just the grandmothers and with all women in the space, and um, and yeah, it's just you know, it's really. Uh, I, I end up in tears at the end of our retreats watching these women leave, and you know, really standing in their power as women, and um, really connecting to that truth deep within themselves. And um, there's there's a lot. There's a lot that needs to be healed for women, you know, from ancestral pain that we carry, um, you know, just as the way the world has been. And um, something else that's really been a beautiful part of it for me was, you know, growing up in in the Los Angeles area. It's um, even with my friends, there was always this element of of comparing myself or defining myself based on my relationships with other women and even though it was in a you know we were friends and had a nice relationship there was still this always this energy that was like we weren't in for me feeling in this full sisterhood it was more about I'm supposed to look like this I'm supposed to be like this and this is just really a space for us to come together and celebrate um, who we are and, and our beauty inside and out. Uh, you were working with the ayahuasca before you had your child. Uh, I was wondering, uh, did uh, you know? Did this child appear, or did you decide through your work with ayahuasca to have a child, or what, was it like connected somehow, or just coincidence? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, definitely. Um, so my my husband and I, Pete, we met in the jungle. Uh, we feel very, very clearly and strongly that, that the plants brought us together. He's from Australia and from the United States, so we're 
came from opposite ends of the world to to meet in the jungle and our our love and our relationship was was fully developed within that space so it was very clear for both of us when when we connected that you know this was this was my partner and um, very shortly after we met um, which is kind of a long other story that I've shared about my experience with with mapacho I, I used by drinking mapacho I was able to heal uh, a pretty serious challenge I'd been going through for seven years with my reproductive system I wasn't having regular moon cycles and so it was very shortly after I met him that this plant opened up this message for me about working with it and then was able to heal my reproductive system and so I actually only had a regular cycle for about 14 months before I got pregnant which was um, I didn't even know if I would be able to have children but the the first ceremony that Pete and I actually sat next to each other in the ceremony we both saw a child sitting in front of us and so uh, it was you know we, we weren't together very long where I mean I think by the time we were together for two years I was already quite pregnant um, but it was very clear for both of us that this this was the next this was the next part you know and and it's something that I feel really so blessed and so strong about for us as as parents to have done so much of this work before bringing her in that we don't have to pass on all of the stuff that we've carried throughout our generations and throughout our families and that we can really um, you know that she her walk gets to be a lot gentler than than what we've had to to face as well you know so it's um I feel like this is such powerful work for for parents to be doing or people who want to have children to really clean up this stuff that we're carrying so that we can provide the best um, you know, love and support and energy to our children. Yeah, so you don't pass on the stress and the rage to the child, which normally is very normal to happen uh, for when you're living in the the rat race of society. But uh, you mentioned Mapacho. I, I mean, I've talked a lot about ayahuasca in these podcasts, but really not Mapacho. Uh, could you talk a bit more about Mapacho for people who have never heard about this? Yeah, sure. Um so mapacho is the tobacco that grows in the jungle and it's a it's quite a strong tobacco it's um it's more like a cigar if you if you're some people do inhale it but i find it super super strong to inhale but um in the in the shipibo tradition there there is no ayahuasca without mapacho mapacho and ayahuasca are work very closely with each other in the ceremonies and um, tobacco in general is is used for its protection for its connect it's a, it's a very strong connector to the other plants and they believe it helps to connect um, with the ayahuasca and you know really used for cleaning really to clean the space to clean the energies and um, you can also drink mapacho which there has unfortunately been a lot of people have probably read about stories of people who are drinking it and it's you know not done in the right way and it, it actually can be fatal for people so you do really need to know what you're doing and be working with someone um, who really knows how to how to work with that plant but um, uh, 
I was, I, I, after my first dieta, I started having these visions and ceremonies of plant spirits walking up and putting the mapacho in my, in my mouth and lighting it. And I could see it like I was smoking it and didn't really know what that meant and just thought it was a gift. And then it started to be that when I would go to sleep at night, I would see myself surrounded by smoke right before I would go into my dream space. And I went to talk to the maestro that, that I was doing dieta with at the time. And he, um, he said to me, yeah, I think, you know, you should drink, you should drink the mapacho. It's trying to communicate with you. And it, it was really interesting because he actually told me how to prepare it, which normally they would prepare it. But I, you know, at the end of the experience, I can see that it was really about my own energy going into it. And, um, he just told me, don't do it while you're working. So I wasn't given very much warning of how it, how powerful of an experience it would be. Um, so I basically drank the mapacho that was made into a, into like a tea. It's quite strong. Um, I drank this three different times, um, with two nights off in between. And, um, I won't go into every detail of what happened, but basically what, what I was shown I didn't, I didn't actually at the time know I was, I was drinking this for my, for my issue with my reproductive system. Um, but the first night I was, I was, um, I was shown this, this, you know, energy being pulled out of my womb and in the morning, it, I mean, it felt like I had been cut open. I could barely walk. I was, I had so much cramping. Um, really intense and it was it was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had with <clears throat> any plant medicine and um, basically at the end of this experience on the the last after the last night that I drank I was I was shown that there was you know and who knows what it was because it's never you know I never had it tested by any medical doctor but what it was very clear to me that I was being shown that there was a virus that was attacking my ovaries. Um, it was like I was looking in a science book seeing this and um, and after the third night that I drank I, I had an ovulation the next day which was like the first time that I clearly knew I, I had ovulated in a really like almost seven years and um, and then my cycle was regular every 28 days after that and um, this was, this was so huge for me cause I spent, I spent years in, um, in California going to every type of healer or doctor you could imagine. I probably spent $20,000 seeking what, what was going on with me, how to heal this thing in my body. And, um, you know, this was like probably five cents of mapacho <laughs> that, that cured me, you know? So it was, a. Uh, it was a very profound time for me in my journey, um, really to connect with that, that, you know, our great mother has given us everything that we need and it, you know, healing yourself naturally, it definitely is not always the, what feels the easiest or what feels the fastest, but, um, when we have patience and we, and we listen to that guidance, it's, it's true healing, you know, it's, it's healing that, um, isn't just being a band-aid of, of taking a medication and, you know, you may feel better, but not getting to the core of what was actually creating the dis-ease in the body and the, and the, um, the imbalances. So it was, um, it kind of sealed the deal for me <laughs> for the plant work to know that 
okay, this is this is this is my my healthcare system for me now. You know, amazing story, and I've heard many similar ones of other types, and been through some myself, and. And this is what annoys me also with like mainstream science. When they look into this stuff, they they always want this uh, proof of how how it worked. They just don't understand that it doesn't really matter as long as it works, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Many people are doing ayahuasca now in their apartments or in Europe, in in America, and. Um, I think this story you told is a good example that when you go down to the jungle to do it, uh, the ayahuasca is only a small part of a much bigger event. And uh, like in your case, it was the Mapachu who was maybe the biggest change in your life than maybe the ayahuasca, it seems, in for the, for this problem anyway. For this, for this particular problem, yeah. But I also feel like, um, you know, it actually, through this experience with Mabacho, gave me this deeper, you know, really deep, profound love for the medicine of knowing that the medicine was actually what brought me to that answer. You know, she was, she's what opened up the doors for me to see that that was the plant that was going to actually help me with this problem, you know. So she was, she's always the, the ringleader for me. But you know, also too, the thing I that I do want to share about you know the the people you know working with this medicine in their apartments in Europe and you know all these different ways of sharing this medicine and it's um you know for people who are especially people who are just stepping onto this path you know the medicine really you know she she is a maestra and she has her own wisdom um, but when you work with the tradition in 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 the traditional way, you know, with with the jungle healers, there's there is um, something that I do feel uh, I feel nervous for for some people who are working with with people who aren't properly trained with dieta and in this way of, you know, when the people open a ceremony, they put up an arcana, which is a protection for the ceremony, and they're constantly working with the energies and cleaning the energies of the space as well as singing to people and going in and helping those energies to move quicker so that you know you don't you don't have to it doesn't take as long to deal with some of this stuff that might be brought up by the medicine because they really go in and help to move it as well so um, you know there is a real uh, difference you know I and I, I can see it in people who, who haven't done that really deep work with proper healers that you may have a lot of healing with ayahuasca, but really, you know, there's there's this really profound thing that happens when you really go to the, the source of, of these traditional healers. When you do ceremonies in the Sacred Valley, how do you get hold of ayahuasca and how do you get hold of the curanderos or the shamans, uh, the healers? Do, do, you, do you fly them in or how does that work? Yep. Yeah, we, you know, through these years, I've, I've probably worked with over 25 different Shipibo healers. Um, so I've built relationships and found my, my, my journey of ones that I would work with again, ones that I wouldn't work with again. And it's, that's been its whole journey and, and learning of its, its own. Um, but, you know, we feel really confident about the maestras that we work with. There's just a, a few of them that, that we, we feel 
really strong about at the moment. You know, it could expand, but um, both Naomi and I, with our experience and our, you know, really strong dietas, really feel um, that, you know, we, we know good ones to work with and feel really confident that they're going to be doing the best work for the people as possible, you know, as possible. And, um, and yeah, I mean, ayahuasca is, ayahuasca is all over Peru. There's, there's plenty of ceremonies happening in the sacred Valley, just not, not with, um, not with the jungle people, obviously. Um, so, but yeah, we have our relationships in, in Pucallpa and so the medicines brought there and the healers are brought there. And it's actually the, the first time that I, I really felt to bring them to the mountains was um, when one of the maestros that we work with, Maestra Amelia, she she actually came to the mountains before we had started doing this. She was there visiting with another friend and we had ceremony with her and it was, I found it so beautiful. It was like, as soon as she was there, it was like the jungle was there. <laughs> But we were surrounded by these beautiful mountains and the energies of that valley. And so I, I really found that the combination was, was a really beautiful space to do deep work. So some of them don't like to come to the mountains because it's too cold for them. <laughs> but but uh, we try to make sure it's as, as nice as it can be for them. Yeah, I think the Sacred Valley and, and Machu Picchu is probably one of the most, like, magical places I've been to it just seems like a fairy tale the the atmosphere like with the mist and everything yeah it's a very special place but how is it um, you know you live you're living in the sacred valley uh, is it um, I mean I guess Peru is uh, it's cheap to live in the sacred valley compared to America oh yeah yeah it's definitely much cheaper than than America well at least at least from where I'm at in California, definitely much cheaper. But um, yeah, no, it's a very affordable place to live. Um, we've, you know, we've become residents there, so it's um, we can come and go as we please now. But in specifically in um, in the Sacred Valley, there's definitely a, a big uh, expat community that lives there. So a lot of it can be a very transient community. There can be a lot of people that come for six months and then leave. So. Um, but but it's a really beautiful, you know. It's a, it's a nice place for our daughter to grow up. Are you allowed to stay in Peru as long as you like, or do you have to have uh, like uh, citizenship or something like that? Um, we have work visas through through our through our companies, so we we're allowed to come and go as we please. But um, most people, the most you can stay is six months out of a calendar year. But it's you know a lot of people. You know, it's it's easy to stay in Peru for a lot of people. So there's ways to to uh, to do that and cross over into Bolivia and come back and things like this. How is how is Peru doing? Like the society? I mean, we you don't hear about it so much in the media, but like, how is it? How is the the state of the country at the moment? <clears throat> um, it's you know, there's just like any country it has its problems and it has its ups and downs and there's there's things that come up there was recently a whole thing about them wanting trying to raise the price of the gasoline and then there's there's paros which are strikes where everyone you know there's a lot of strikes in Peru which we actually really like it's kind of like people really stand up for themselves and say you know no this isn't okay so um but you know it's it's um 
it, it's 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 a poorer country, you know, so they do have their 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 struggles that that come up. But as far as being a safe place to live and um, you know where it's it's a very safe place for us to be. Hmm. So it's more stable than like, for instance, Colombia or something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Where we, it, it, at least in the section of Peru where we are, it's definitely more stable than that. One thing I, that you always can read when you are reading about what you cannot do or shouldn't do when you take ayahuasca, one thing is that for women you're not supposed to be menstruating. Um, why is this? The, 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 what the people will tell you is that the blood energy, the energy of, of heavy blood, um, is a very strong energy for them to, to work with. Um, so most of them will say on your heaviest day that they they don't like that energy to be in there because it's um it's just it's simply the energy of the blood um but i have also found too um being in in a ceremony where i was having heavy blood that it does bring this kind of um i don't i don't know if i want to say sexual energy but this real like it's a very strong energy to bring into the ceremony so um and in the shipibo tradition you don't come in when you have heavy blood flow okay i see so it's more a psychological suggestion i mean like it's not that it's dangerous for the body it's more like uh, an energy thing definitely i mean if a if a woman does come in on her her cycle she the it can you can definitely be more sensitive to the medicine so if you drank the same amount that you normally were drinking, it may be very strong. So usually if someone is, you know, at the very start or towards the end of their cycle and they're still bleeding a little bit, but not, not having a heavy flow and they come into ceremony, we always start with a smaller, smaller dose with those women just to, just to see where, where that's at. So, um, but, but yeah, no, it's not dangerous for a woman. It's more for the energy, for the energetics of the ceremony. And what about uh, pregnant? Um, yeah, so it's a <laughs> it's a bit of a controversial controversial thing. I'm I'm sure for a lot of people, but um, you know, I'm not afraid to say that I, I did work with this medicine still during my pregnancy, um, in a in a much gentler way. Um, I when I was in the jungle, I asked all the maestras that I could and um, got a very similar answer from all of them that they said you just drink a very small amount um, and they also most of them recommended not to drink towards the towards the end like in the last month of the pregnancy um, and then I mean the main thing with that would be that if you were having heavy purging that that could um, put you into premature labor um, but um, yeah, I did. I, I probably drank about, probably about, I don't know, between eight and ten times during my pregnancy. And just a very, very small amount. If there are women out there that are listening to this that drink in their pregnancies, you become very, very sensitive to the medicine. You have to drink super, super small doses. Um, but it was a beautiful thing and you know I we feel we see that in our daughter we see the medicine in her she you know when she was born she just immediately opened her eyes and looked straight at us and just was 
from the very beginning very engaged, very alert, very very aware. So um, you know, the the medicine is a is a very important part of my of my life. You know, it's it's been my teacher. It's been what's helped me to heal and move through um, some very very heavy things. You know, and, and that that I came to the medicine with. And so for us, that's just that's part of our life, and it's part of what we share in our family. So I like this idea that you have that you facilitate women only. Uh, but one thing, and I've been looking for this, but I haven't been able to find it, is there should be a, a place where you could go as a family. I mean, maybe not the kids will not, or the baby will not drink, but so, but you, that you can bring them with you, and then the parents do the ceremony, and then maybe you have babysitters at this place. And do you know about if there is a place place like that? Well, this is what we're moving into, and this is why we're we're opening it up for for not only just men, but to also accommodate these these situations. Um, we have a woman coming to our next retreat who has two small children and is feeling really called to this work, and we're working it out. You know, there's a there's a hostel next to the retreat center that her husband's going to come and he's going to watch the kids during ceremony, and she's going to come and do the work and. Um, you know, we're really open to to supporting people who don't feel like they could they they could do this work, you know, because of whatever is happening in their life, and especially with family. So, um, it's something we're really wanting to open that up to for for people to come. So, and you know, I mean, if there are families, it's it's it depends on the 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 parents' choice. You know, the children. As long as there's really good healers that are protecting the space really well, it's not uncommon for children to be in the ceremonies. In the Shipibo tradition, there's always children in the ceremony. So, um. Yeah, because it's like, you know, when you drink ayahuasca, it's very common that the people you love the most are somehow with you in the ceremony. And it would be weird then if, obviously, probably your children you love the most and that they are on the other side of the planet when you're having this experience. So I think it would be nice if you could have them close by the next day when you wake up, you know. Oh, it's, I love, I love being with my daughter after ceremony, you know, to come out of the ceremony and be with her. It's just, it's a really beautiful space to share, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, that, that depends on the parents, you know. It's also, when we come to work with the medicine, it's our opportunity and our space to go really deep within ourselves and, and to clean out the things that we need to clean out. So um, it depends on where someone's at as to whether or not they would want to have their children around during that process. For some people, it may be more beneficial to come um, if you have really heavy stuff that you know you need to clear to, to have that space for yourself and not have to, to be with your children. So it, it would really depend on the person but obviously you know especially for parents who have already done work with the medicine and then become parents and then feel like how do we still keep working with the medicine it's, it's definitely a, a, a really good option for people to be able to come as a family what is the Shipibo's view on how how old you have to be when you do a ceremony the first time do you have like an age limit or something like that I don't think that there's a um, any sort of age limit but when they're like around 12 or so is when they would have a, like more of a proper dose of the medicine um, but you know in like the in the Santo Daime tradition they 
when the babies are first born, they put a, a drop of medicine on their tongue. So they start serving, you know, very small doses to the children in, the, in that tradition at a very young age. So, um, you know, if you're breastfeeding, they're already are receiving at least to some degree through the breast milk. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I don't know what we'll, what we'll do with our daughter. I think we'll just know when it feels like the right time. But um, Well, it's definitely better to give the child uh, ayahuasca when it's six years old than Prozac. So. <laughs> of course. I know. I mean, this is what's crazy. This is what's happening in the world, that there's four-year-olds on antidepressants, you know. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I definitely would be giving ayahuasca before that. So, um, so uh, tell the listeners a bit about if they want to go to a women-only retreat or to the other retreats you're planning to do. How can they find find you and your 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 retreat? Yeah, so um, our website is www.treeoflightretreats.com. And you can go on there and find how to contact us. And um, you know, it's a it's we we focus on on intimate retreats. Uh, no more than twelve people in our retreats. Um, and and really, in a way that um, there's facilitators that are very experienced to help guide the journey when it's necessary. And um, you know, it really so important to us this medicine is so sacred to us that we really want to know that opportunities are being created for people to work with this medicine in a really safe and, and traditional way so um, you can visit the website again it's www.treeoflightretreats.com and yeah we look forward to, to connecting with anyone who has interest to, to join us Yeah, and I can also vouch that uh, you will probably be a very good facilitator. When I was in ceremony, you weren't a facilitator yet, but you uh, uh, saved me from my sanity. I don't think you remember yourself because there was, I mean, you've, there's been many people at ceremony where you were, but uh, I had myself one of those classic ayahuasca ceremonies where you die and that's kind of a nightmare when it happens very nice afterwards but when it happens and I remember that I was uh, trying to call out to you and you didn't hear me for some reason and that kind of confirmed me oh that she doesn't hear me because I'm a ghost I'm dead but then finally you noticed me and then when you noticed I was like oh thank god I'm alive <laughs> you know <laughs> so so that was very nice and also you were very gentle like uh, because when you're in ceremony any movement feels like a tornado you know like if somebody comes up to you and grabs you very hard or or, or in a normal way but it feels like you're being grabbed hard but uh, you were very very soft which was felt very good because <laughs> you don't want anything like too strong when you're in this space you know so uh, so i uh, i can vouch that you You are probably a very good facilitator. <laughs> Thank you. It's really such a, a deep passion for me. You know, it's um, my first my first year of drinking medicine was was so hard. I mean, I look back at it, and there were so many times that I was really wondering what I was doing to myself because it was just there was so much that I needed to heal. So it's, but through that, you know, I think it's um, 
I think it helps to make you a good facilitator when you also have had a very hard time, you know, a very challenging time with the work because it allows you to relate with people when they're going through a hard time in a way that, that you have a real understanding of, of the power of this work and you also see the other side of it. So um, for me, it's just a, it's a very, very deep contract for me with this, this beautiful teacher, Ayahuasca, to, to help to share this with people. So it's, um, it's a real, real pl pleasure and honor to, to get to do this. Okay, cool. I will link to your sites in the program notes as well. So, uh, well, thank you a lot for talking to me. Yeah, thank you so much. It's nice to it's nice to connect with you again. And I do remember you now that we've been talking. I do remember <laughs> you. <laughs> so, cool. so, yeah. Please go to treeoflightretreats.com if you want to find out more. On that website, there are also a section of Icarus. One Icarus more beautiful than the next. So if you check out the website, make sure to listen to these Icarus. They are very, very beautiful. And the one I'm going to play now and close this episode with is by a Shipibo maestra called Rosita. I have sat in ceremony with Rosita myself and let me tell you that she is my all-time favorite maestra. Listening to her sing brings tears to my eyes, truly. Freedom is in the mind. Nato hui vieta anato yanta ayuime, ebuame, kare, nokohanige, rosa penedo baskis, haike nokohane. Askaso an isune, akuma kinshukubiris.
Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 